Good day, good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out yet another sort of woken baked, sort of an episode of the Iron Asylum podcast. However, it's stuff for you. More stuff giving away. All right, just a heads up on February 21st, there's a nice, cool, not family friendly at all, 21 and up night of stand up comedy, open mic stand up comedy at Four Royal Parkers. Got to get that one out of the way. It is headlined by Joe Stoltz, previous guest of the podcast. Some very, very cool sponsors for that event. The flyer is making its way to press very, very soon, so we'll have that up, and you can see that on our Instagram, as well as our Facebook page. Hopefully, it'll be on the Facebook page real soon. It's definitely on the Instagram page. All right, solid shout-out to our supporters, Iron Asylum, located at 35165 KB Drive in lovely Soldotna, Alaska. You can find them on Instagram, as well as Facebook, and their website, the Iron Asylum Gym, AK.com. They carry supplements and some really cool merch. Really cool, really comfortable. They just got baseball shirts in that are pretty damn cool. I like the baseball shirts. I'm going to pick one up. They also, uh, I think I mentioned, they carry supplements and the Fought Cancer shirts, right? If you have not gotten one of the cool Fought Cancer shirts, it's going to support a local family uh, that is dealing with cancer right now. One of the members of Iron Asylum is currently battling colon cancer, and these T-shirts uh, go directly, the profits from this go directly to him. So it's really, really cool. If you're interested in joining Iron Asylum, call 907-953-4720 for more information. Again, that website is the ironasylumgymak.com, and that website is always open just like the Iron Asylum. All right, Red Run Cannabis Company, located on the Kenai Spur Highway. They are the makers of fine, fine concentrates to include some pretty super duper sweet THCA diamonds. If you do not know about diamonds, they are, well, cured THC. Yeah, it's like a further cured process. We're talking about 98% THCA in this rock that uh, looks mildly threatening but also like a milky stone, so hence the diamonds. All right, uh, they also carry uh, products and flowers from such cultivators as Alaska Blooms, Warner Brothers, as well as edibles from the fine folks at Lady Grey and fireweed extracts. All right, be sure to check out their website, redruncannabiscompany.com for more information as well as meat, uh, weed maps for their current menu. All right, 5150 Vapes, located in the heart of Soldatna. They are your home for flavored nicotine juices, mods, shatter batter, and your exclusive home for woke and baked t-shirts. Today's guest isn't really my guest, but a guest of the Iron Asylum podcast. His name is Luke Baumer. He is a trainer at Iron Asylum. He specializes in functional strength, and he breaks that down to a T. He does, he does uh, I think, a pretty good job of explaining functional strength, what it is that he does, and we shoot the shit. We flamethrower the poop and all that good stuff. So uh, thank you to the supporters. Thank you to Iron Asylum. Thank you to Luke Baumer for your time. Also, shit, solid shout out and thank you to the Schnitzel Bomber, located on the corner of K Beach and Poppy, rated five out of five on Facebook. They are the highest rated restaurant on Yelp. So if you didn't know, now you know. And as of the recording of this podcast, this particular Friday, the special 
is the Cuban sandwich. I really like their Cuban sandwich. I had one earlier this week. It was fucking delicious. All right, I recommend it to everyone with a pulse. All right, if you don't have a pulse, you don't know what you're missing because you don't have a pulse. All right, you'll be missed. All right, again, comedy the 21st, that is for Royal Parkers. I probably forgot to mention that. It's hosted by Fred Kosky, and your headliner is Joe Stoltz. Now, I've confirmed that Matt Plant is going to be rocking out. I'm going to be rocking out some shit. We're going to have some really cool local stand-ups coming out and rocking out. And hopefully you come out and rock out too. It's free. There's zero cover. No reason to not come out other than you hate me. And that's a totally good reason to not come to something that, that we're putting out because you hate me. I can, I can respect that. I appreciate you sticking to your feelings. All right, coming up, I have some very cool confirmed podcast guests that, um, well, shit, you know, like I really don't want to say their name, uh, their names, because if it falls through, then it was just a name I said to get your attention and it just became clickbait. But I can tell you some of my favorite uh, rap artists, rap producers, um, folks, well, shit, man, I can't even tell you their names. I wish I could. All right. So without uh, any, any further ado, here is Luke Baumer and Brandon Miller for the Iron Asylum Podcast. All right, so before we go any further into the podcast, I want to give a, a solid shout out and thank you to our listeners and new listeners from all over the world, including Ride Australia, Carnegie Australia, Victoria, Canada, and in places I've never heard of in the United States, like Calistoga, California. It sounds like an interesting place. I, I've never heard of it. I didn't know that was a place. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for checking out. Uh, also, our listeners in Palmares, Costa Rica. Notice last week, a lot of listeners in Palmares, Costa Rica. Shout out to Palmares, Costa, uh, Costa Rica. You're all beautiful people. We're all grateful for you. Thank you so much. All right. Here we go with the podcast. All right, so here's where it gets weird. Um, I need you to not bump the speaker that the microphone is on, because otherwise it sounds like an earthquake. Got Unless it. we actually have an earthquake, in which case, or whatever. Then Bill's going to run out of the building like a scared bitch, because <laughs> that's what he did when we had the last earthquake at the gym, and I have the video, video? footage to prove it. Well, you should have seen how it was at any time. Oh my God, that old gym was just Bill left looking. women and children. <laughs> he ran... He, he froze, went into like a Spider-Man stance while the earthquake was happening. You can see like the flags sh shaking and the lights shaking. And then as soon as it stopped, he just bolted for the door just and <laughs> screaming. We had we had audio footage as he screamed. Like that last scared part's not true. Fucking that, is so true. The screaming part is not true. <laughs> you were yelling, we gotta go! We gotta go! <laughs> okay, so, so let, me, let me say... Poor me for trying to get people out of your building so that nobody's wake at Helping the people get out of the building. <laughs> Leaving them behind. Leading by example. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting myself out of the building. Like, I, got, I got my own shit to deal with. Like, you, you did not come back in either. It's not like you ran out and then came back in. No, guys, we really got to go. No, you were just gone. Everybody no, else just stood around looking. looking <laughs> Standing outside just like, man, I really hope they get out. <laughs> I'll pray. And they all, they all did. They, they, had, they had my thoughts and hey, my prayers. It's in God's hands now. Gave yeah. me strength to be able to get out of that building. <laughs> That's awesome. 
All right, can we get you to, I don't know, you're going to have to, like, straddle the speaker. Cause well, I don't want to straddle up a brand. I mean, unless you I'm, making, I'm giving you space. I'm going to move this. We're going to make a minor earthquake sound for a second. There we go. Yeah, it's only like a 4.2, yeah. if anything. Yeah, no, that's, that sounds about right. All right, so who, who are you? So uh, I'm Luke Bomber. I've, uh, I've been a trainer over at, I started at Anytime Fitness. That's where I got my start and got certified through what most other people get through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. And um, so I got my start and uh, not really knowing anything. Then when I started working out over any, or working at Anytime Fitness, um, I got uh, in touch with um, or introduced to uh, by Joey Newby, who is just pretty much the guy that kind of taught me and led me in the direction I needed to go to be able to be successful in, in fitness, especially in the general population. So uh, my philosophy on, on training is more along the lines of like, one, there's so many different styles of training. There's so many different styles of exercise that if you don't know what it is you're trying to accomplish, then you know training becomes difficult. I mean, you have to have a niche. You have to understand that whenever you're training, you're training for something, whether it's to be stronger, whether it's to just lose weight and be healthy, whether it's to look good and you want to have better, you know, bigger muscles, more cut, you know, a six pack, um, and what is going to be more prominent. And so learning that and being able to find the niche that I wanted to go to, um, was really important. So I got that through, uh, through Joey and, uh, through, um, a couple of other uh, certifications I went through and got to go through a, uh, clinic with Mike Boyle. Mike Boyle is the, uh, head strength conditioning coach for the Boston Red Sox, the girls, uh, the women's Olympic, um, hockey and lacrosse team. And, uh, basically leading the charge in um, functional strength conditioning right now as it stands. So got to go through his clinic and learned a whole bunch of stuff. So that was, um, that's kind of like my, my whole style now in a nutshell is more functional strength conditioning and athletic training. And his philosophy is, you know, who are the, you know, most fit people on the planet? And they're, they're the athletes. They're the ones that are, you know, professional athletes, whether they're, you know, baseball, football, whatever it is. Um, and so when you look at that kind of standpoint, why aren't we training everybody else like an athlete? Why aren't we training people in that kind of, you know, uh, category? You can always regress exercises and make it easy and make it to where even somebody who is never exercised a day in their life and weighs 300 pounds and be able to help them you know, train like an athlete by regressing each exercise to their capabilities. So, um, yeah, that's kind of pretty much my, my training style, kind of who I, who I am as a trainer. Um, my own personal story, you know, I got um, into working out basically whenever I was, when I was a kid. I swam competitively for about 12 years. I've coached since I was 16. I coached competitive swimming since I was uh, 16 all the way up to I was about 28. Now I coach uh, competitive volleyball for Solana High School, um, and I've played uh, competitively for about 11 years and um, basically gained a lot of weight um, when I graduated high school. Didn't really have anything else going on for myself, and um, my dad passed away. When he passed away, I gained more weight, 
and then found refuge in working out and, and being in a gym. And that kind of took me to a whole new level and got me more interested in going through my own personal battles and then being able to, you know, take my coaching background from swimming and volleyball and being able to put it into the gym also. So that's kind of, uh, it's kind of it in a nutshell, I'd say. Okay. Um, do you, when you're uh, preparing um, people who've, um, maybe it's their first time in the gym in 15 years, mm -hmm. um, maybe it's the first time in the gym in ever, how do you get them over that initial anxiety of, I've never done this before? It's like, it's like learning a new language. Right. You know, it's like, if you've, if you, if you've never done this, this is going to be pretty intimidating. Right. I think uh, a lot is atmosphere, and I think a lot uh, mainly is the simplicity of the exercise. Uh, the more simple you can make an exercise, the less overwhelming it becomes. If you're going to start somebody off with like, you know, doing something like a dumbbell bench press, as simple as it might be for a lot of other people, especially ones who have exercised a lot, you're doing a, a bilateral movement, which is two arms at the same time, but you're having to control it unilaterally, which means one arm at a time. So it's very difficult to try and do two things at once while you're trying to control two separate parts of your body. So something like a, like a dumbbell bench press wouldn't be something I'd start off with somebody. I, if I was going to do any kind of a pressing movement, it would be a single arm, one arm so that they can get the, the, the feel of it, then switch to the other arm. And doing stuff like that to where you're able to make it more simple for people to understand makes it a lot easier it makes it it makes it a lot less overwhelming and when we also talk about muscle stimulus stimulating a muscle is so much easier than than people make it out to be when you look at people like in the standpoint of like where brandon's at or um, where some of these other trainers are like you know like kimmy and tyler they are at such a peak fitness level where getting to a stimulus for their muscles is very difficult to do for it to grow and for it to actually adapt, you have to be able to increase um, your workload to a really extensive level. So it doesn't need to be like that for somebody who's just starting out. For somebody who's just starting out, six reps at like 10 pounds is something that muscle has never experienced before. Or if has, it's been years to do it. So it doesn't need to be like, I'm gonna get in the gym and kick your ass and make you sweat and. Uh, and make you limp the next day. I can do that with six reps with 10 pounds and I've stimulated the muscle enough to where it's going to create a neurological um, communication to the body to where it's going to adapt. So that's kind of how I approach somebody who's brand new to the gym, kind of lays things out like that for them and make things as simple as I possibly can. Now, when someone asks you about the secrets to diet, what do, they, what do you tell them? What rabbit holes do you sort of push them down? Diet-wise, I try to tell people, like, one, I'm, I, I'm definitely not certified through any kind of nutrition. So I try not to get really in-depth with diet. I try to just go through, again, uh, simplicity is what most people are going to love. Um, anytime you start making things more complex, um, like, you know, something like, think of it like um, macronutrients. Like, macro counting is great for people who really want to tone up and really want to get into a certain physique. But for somebody who's just starting out, um, like macro counting for me, I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't recommend it to somebody just starting out just because of the fact that it's really intimidating. And again, it's, it's overwhelming. Um, but 
so my my style is like you know whatever diet or whatever kind of uh, nutrition you're going to go for make it to where it's sustainable and make it to where you can you know you can do it on a regular basis because a diet's never going to work if you can't you know stay consistently with it so um i just tell people six times a day smaller portions um try to make sure that your protein source is always bigger than anything else you eat when you eat so like even if it's a snack like you know for me i i have what are called these ostrom sticks they're like beef jerky sticks but they're 15 grams of protein really low fat um all natural and ostrich meat correct What's that? The Ostrom. Is that what's yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we actually, I had jelly on my last podcast. We, we discussed, uh, yeah, we, uh, amongst other things, like if, if they can make, we're talking about the Wuhan, the explosion in Wuhan and, mm-hmm. and the Chinese stuff um, that a lot of it emanated from, or a lot of it came from a, a meat market that you could get koalas. And if, they, if you can get ostrich jerky, why can't you get koalas? Sorry to sidetrack you. No, you're good. Had a, I'd eat a koala stick. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> like... I mean, it's cool that like you could go to a place and you could buy potentially buy a koala. Like, but is there somebody who's like so good at staring at exotic meats? They're like, no, trust me, that's a koala. Uh, you want that? That's good quality. You got like a, a like a koala butcher, a kowitcher. Um, but yeah, like, but if you can get a koala steak, then why couldn't you get a whole koala? And if that's the case, um, maybe the forest fires in Australia aren't such a bad thing. Just, Koalas like, are assholes. So, Someone told me the same thing about sloths. I, I, yeah, sloths are apparently deceivingly fast and assholes. Huh. Um, but I, I have no way of knowing that koalas are jerks. I know that they have apparently a lot of, a lot of syphilis amongst. Uh, so there's empathy. Very rapey too. Very rapey. How is Animals. a koala rapey? You never seen what koalas have sex? Dude, read a fucking book. Dude, at what point do any animals, when you have sex, look like it's not like a rape of another animal? It's it's beyond rapey. Like, dogs having sex, it doesn't look like the female's really into it. But when a koala gets involved, shit gets ugly. Like, really. Yeah, it's like, I feel like I need to call the cops. It's got to make some disgusting sounds. Koalas make gross... Like, when you see videos of koalas, they're never making noises. They're just quiet. They're just, oh, look, it's a koala. Eating his eucalyptus. That's yeah. that's yeah. a that's koala sex sounds. I think that's koala hello sounds. Oh, um, that's that's koalas saying what's up, man? How are you been? It's been a while. Uh, that's mm, that's eucalyptus is delicious. Yeah, not nearly as cute and cuddly as people would think. No, no. I mean, all the videos I've seen, they've been great. Like, yeah, but they don't say anything. Like, there's no, ever there's. I think there's a conspiracy to get us to to really like koalas. Like, but no, if the koalas are, are rapey assholes. Um, they, they give, uh, give and have and share syphilis. Ostrich sticks to koala sex. Back to ostrich sticks. We've done this before and it's gone 45 minutes onto like John Wick topics. So I I we, we got to cut it loose and bring you on back where you're back. Yeah. <laughs> um, you don't like that, but like, you know, ostrich sticks, yeah, the, the, the meat quality is, is, is the most important part of it so but like something like that like you know my and then i you know like have a handful of almonds and you know that's that'd be a great you know snack for you know three hours after i eat a breakfast you know something like that and you do that throughout the day and you know not only it keeps you know the metabolism high and keeps it working but you know it keeps the nutrients flowing that the body needs so you have to also realize that you know like i tell clients is that 
you should eat for fuel because that's what you're essentially doing. And so many people, the issues that people have that like are like feeling foggy headed or I'm drowsy or I just feel like shit today. And, you know, you ask them when the last time it is they eat and a lot of them say like, oh, I haven't eaten since breakfast and it's five o'clock in the evening. I said, well, yeah, no wonder you feel like shit. Your body's running on empty. So it's the concept of not thinking about so much on um, like you have to have this many grams or that many grams, but just like make sure you have a good amount of protein for every time you eat and make sure you try to eat. You know, if somebody's only like eating like maybe four times a day, three times a day, I'd say add one. Just add, pick a time that's best for you and add one time to eat in there. Again, keeping it to simplicity. Simple. Something that they can accomplish really easy. Okay, simple question. Uh, what is the difference then between skipping meals and intermittent fasting? Um, so there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of studies on that kind of stuff. And the thing is, it's like, so I, I actually work, um, I work in a, a kind of a two different areas. So for me, um, I, I, I'm, I, I, my doc, one of my doctors is Patrick Huffman, who is a, a naturopathic doctor in Soldotna, and he is phenomenal. And he talked to me and was the first one that introduced um, eating for your blood type. And the behind that is that your blood type is able to break down foods and utilize nutrients um, in a much more efficient way than certain other foods. So like somebody who's, you know, an O blood type would be really good at breaking down, you know, like meats and like red meats and things like that. But somebody like me who's an A positive, meats are not really something that my blood type would be able to utilize the nutrients out of. Um, I'm more somebody that would be better off at like a vegetarian style diet. So, which no fucking way in hell is that ever going to happen. But that's the kind of stuff that's like, you know, but also a positives would not work well with intermittent fasting. Why? I don't know all the science behind that. All I know is that for me, eating more consistently throughout the day keeps a higher metabolism, especially for somebody with an A positive blood type like myself. So consistently eating like that, consistently bringing fuel in, sends a, you know, a signal to the brain knowing that it's like, it's okay to burn these calories. I don't have to save them. If somebody like, you know, eats and, you know, is like in my position, if I eat and then I don't eat for a long period of time, especially if it's, you know, really inconsistent. So that's the other thing is a consistent diet is just as important. Uh, if I have a really inconsistency in my diet and all of a sudden, like, you know, I eat breakfast and four days a week I'm eating six times a day, but then all of a sudden, you know, for a month later, I'm eating like two or three meals a day and skipping four or five of those meals. My body is now not understanding and it's, and it's thinking more like in a survival kind of mode where it's holding on to more, uh, you know, things like it's thinking that, you know, I don't know the next time I'm going to eat, so I better hold on to this and I better hold on to these calories because especially for somebody like me who's very active, very highly active, um, the body needs a way to be able to, you know, have fuel to be able to do what it is that I want to do. But if I'm not giving it the proper kind of fuel to do it, it's, it's going to adapt and find its own way. And usually that means you know, I'll end up gaining fat because my body is trying to use that as like reserves. So that's kind of like, you know, again, intermittent fasting and eating a consistent diet. It's kind of a, it's kind of like a really gray area. I think intermittent fasting can work really well for some and it can be 
really terrible for others. So I think that's kind of like, you know, I would, I would look at long, more on the lines of somebody like what their blood type is if I was going to do it personally for, like, client bases. Do you kind of know, like, I, this is the first I've ever heard of the blood type thing, but being O positive, if I, eat, I can eat an entire box of cereal and still not feel good at the I don't feel full. I feel nothing. I don't feel any kind of satiation. It might be that you're also eating like a box of cereal. Like you're not, that shit's not supposed to fill you up. Like, but that, a normal person can, no. other people can eat a bowl no. of cereal and be like, that was a good breakfast. No, but, they, they don't. I'm telling you, I got kids. Nobody? They no. Well, I'm sure somebody, but, yeah. but not normal people. I mean, that shit's like made to, to really just, it's like, um, it's like taking a crack hit in the morning. Allegedly, um, it just gets it gets the day going. Really? It's like, and all it does is just it. it I feel just kids. as hungry at the after that four bowls of cereal as I did at the beginning. That's okay. Where the kids will too. Salad, same thing. We'll, we'll we'll jump off that. If I eat a salad, where I've seen a lot of people go eat a salad and feel happy with that salad, unless there is chicken or beef or ham included in that salad and a lot of that, about six ounces of that, I don't feel satisfied. If I have, I mean that. A piece of protein has to be in every meal that I eat. Even eggs don't seem to do for me. They don't leave me feeling like I had a meal. I have to. It has to be something solid. And I've seen you eat. Like there's no amount of lettuce that's gonna fill you up. Like there's so like I so for those of you that haven't met Brandon or don't know Brandon, he's a, he's a man that that eats a lot of meat. Um, quadruple, Ooh. triple, Ooh. pause, pause. <laughs> Let's throw a pause in there. <laughs> so, um, I'm not ready to bring if, that up on, yeah. on the air quite yet, man. We got, uh, got an image to uphold. <laughs> this town ain't ready for that. <laughs> or maybe they are. Or maybe they are. Maybe they're. It's just, 2020, man. Yeah, we'll maybe see, they're we'll waiting see. for someone to just kick open the door for them. We'll and, wait uh, until tomorrow to post this one. We'll, uh, we'll wait till tomorrow to post this to see how many how many memberships we lose as soon as this gets gets down. Um, suffice to say, when Brandon goes to the restaurant, he orders extra portions of meat for his salad and or whatever he's getting um so like you it takes a lot to fill you up anyway so like yeah. it, I, I would say that you're but, not the normal person but when even when i eating. didn't weigh 250 pounds and wasn't running cycles of extracurricular activities i didn't and wasn't going to the gym i never felt me just in high school as a 145 pound guy never got any satisfaction at the end of a meal that didn't have a portion of meat included just never never had any feeling of being full at us even when i was a small guy so i'm i'm wondering if you can kind of tell you know of course everybody's going to say i would rather have a number one from mcdonald's versus eating week old chicken that's been sitting in your fridge in a ziploc baggie that but i'm saying you have to have I would think that your body is going to kind of tell you, and I know with the intermittent fasting, never tried it, never going to try it. When I wake up in the morning, I feel physically sick until I get a meal in me. Like I wake up feeling like, oh shit, I gotta get some food in me, or I'm not gonna, I'm gonna puke, is really how I feel. And so I don't see how intermittent fasting would work for me at all. And then I'm eating every two to three hours after that, or I don't feel good at all. I feel, I feel miserable, so I'm, so my, my, my thing is like what I would, the first thing I would ask you is like, so you're talking about this, you can eat a whole box of cereal and not feel full. You can eat a huge salad with no chicken on it and not feel full. The first thing I'd ask you is what are your portion size like on a regular basis? Like are you- I do a cup of rice, a cup of vegetables, four to six ounces of either, if it's steak, I do four ounces. If it's 
chicken at six ounces. Okay, so your so your portions are you know relatively proportionate, like you're not yep. eat, overeating or anything like that. No. Nope. So that'd be the first thing because I mean, like if you've ever seen like you know the TLC show of like you know my 600 pound life, mm -hmm. these people are once I once I turn that on, I can't get off the couch. Neither can I. <laughs> So it's like I, I can binge watch that show forever. But the thing is that these and people... I purge. I, I don't do that. <laughs> but like these people are sitting there able to eat like a full large pizza, a full bag of Doritos, and then a two liter of soda. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like, one, it, it, the biggest thing is, it's like, and the reason why that these guys have such a hard time losing weight and then on top of that um, have to get, you know, gastric bypass is because their stomachs have, they've enlarged their stomach lining so large that it is difficult to be able to have that kind of connection between your brain and your stomach to know when it is that you're full. And yeah. that's that's the biggest thing that I would say, like, especially people who are severely obese, um, that that's gonna be the biggest obstacle for them to overcome is knowing when a good amount is, is, is good. But then on top of that, them having to go through a really, really tough, couple of weeks because their stomach's going to have to shrink back down. I mean, that's just the reality. They're, they're going to feel hungry no matter what. So they start eating healthy. Um, they're going to, they're not going to feel full or satisfied because their, their stomach lighting has stretched. But like in, in Brandon's case, it'd probably be more on the lines of like, it has to have protein to it. So again, I think it comes down to, um, it's a neurological sense. And that was the big thing that I was talking to Brandon that I said, I think he should do a podcast on is how, much and this is the one area that I don't think I've ever met any trainer ever that links the neurological side of fitness I haven't heard anything on it and the thing is is that I didn't start realizing this stuff until I had my own issues what do you mean so so neurologically I mean your your brain and your body creates a lot of different chemicals such as dopamine and serotonin are the big ones right so serotonin and dopamine are those feel-good endorphins. You're able to feel more energetic. You're able to feel more, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for, motivated and to go do things. And when you're lacking those types of uh, chemicals, that's where people have depression and anxiety and you know uh, things where they, they just have a lack of motivation. They just don't feel like they want to do it and they feel like it's something wrong with them. But really, and especially the way psychology has turned into now, is now it's an, it's an actual real thing. Like it's a physical condition. It's not like, you know, in your head kind of stuff where they used to think that that was the thing. Like, oh, you're just somebody who just didn't have a whole lot, you know, growing up. Like you didn't, you didn't have that male figure in your life to show you the way. Like, no, like you, you really do have a physical symptom that is showing physically, you know, in your brain that you're lacking like a dopamine or you're lacking um, serotonin. And when that stuff happens, so like, let's say whenever you're lacking those things, the very first thing you go and you talk to your doctor and your doctor, especially, you know, right now is they're, they're really easily to say, you know, you're, you're depressed, you have anxiety. Okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna give you this medication for that. Usually the biggest ones are usually like SSRIs, which are um, medications that are in, to improve your serotonin levels, to make you feel better, to make you feel more upright. But serotonin is also a fight or flight chemical. So it is, um, and same with cortisol. So those two chemicals, what they'll do is they'll, they'll actually 
increase that fight or flight response and they'll actually hold on they'll, they'll make you retain weight so it'll be very difficult to lose weight especially on a lot of ssris so the thing is is like i and this is all coming from my own personal experience by no means do i have any kind of degree or training in this but all from my personal experience and so what i did was i i i was a real low point super depressed um lost my job um where I was working at uh, over at Coop Chiropractic and uh, quit Anytime Fitness. Wasn't really, you know, didn't really have any direction of where I was going, what I was doing. And um, I was on um, Zoloft or Sertraline for about eight and a half years. So, and these, uh, to get off topic, these, these SSRIs are not meant to be on, were not made to be on a long period of time. They were meant for people that have like significant brain injuries. Somebody that had a significant brain injury needs, you know, some support in certain areas of their, their brain, like the temporal lobe, the bottom part of your brain. You need to be able to have some support with that. So they give you an SSRI for a month to help you while you're recovering. And then after a month or so, they're supposed to, you know, go off it. They were never meant for a long period of time. And so I'm on this medication for, you know, eight and a half years. So my neurological system had learned how to communicate off of this medication. Now, after a while, especially with sertraline, I don't know, uh, I'm sure a lot of the other ones do the same thing, but after a while, it eventually just stops. Cold turkey, out of nowhere, you have no idea, and all of a sudden, it'll just stop, and that's what happened. I was taking my, my medication and had no, no sign or symptom of thinking that it was going to stop, and one day, it just stopped, and all of a sudden, my anxiety was through the roof. My depression was out of this world. It got to the point where I was sitting here thinking, like, you know, like, you know, Killing myself was a was a very um, very real option, and it was a really big like kind of like dangling a carrot in front of a horse. It was it looked good, and it, I had never had that. And I know almost everybody has had suicidal thoughts at one point in their life, but when it gets to the point to where it's becoming something like really enticing and it starts looking good, then that's for me. I knew that I needed to get help, and I went and I went to the Amen Clinic. And the Amen Clinic is um, one of the, if not the um, top neurological um, facilities in the entire nation. Psycholo you know, they have, they have amazing doctors there who uh, have multiple degrees in different things. Like the doctor I see, um, he has a degree in um, natural, um, natural medication. He also has a degree in psychology. And so um, you go there and they have what's called a spec scan. A spec scan is not something new, but Daniel Amen, the founder of the Amen Clinic, started bringing the spec scan into the psychology world because the psychology, it's been the same exact way, psychiatrists have done the same exact way of diagnosing people since like the 1700s to now. And there hasn't been any advancement up until with what the Amen Clinic is doing. So the Amen Clinic is bringing in the spec scan. The spec scan is, shows blood flow in the brain. It shows what areas of your brain are um, underactive and which areas of the brain are overactive. So it actually gives a psychiatrist an idea of knowing what medications to provide for you and not just kind of throwing darts at a dartboard in the dark. 
So sort of like eating for your blood type. Right. So you're 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 knowing having a better roadmap. A, right. A better Ex- idea of what exactly. You're for. A roadmap yeah. is the best way to describe it. That's exactly what they said too. It's like it's a roadmap to be able to figure out what the best treatment plan is for you. And so I wanted to show you guys. So th- these were these were the pictures, the images of, of my brain. So this is a normal brain. That's your dick. Yeah. Okay. Forget the. Good forget the. Dick. Yeah. It's smooth. Yes. Good hood. Good hood. I like to tell people that. That's good hood. That's like a normal, that's a normal brain. Good blood flow. And then this was mine. So it kind of looks like it's chewed up bubble gum. Mm-hmm. Like, and the, the holes that you see in there are not holes, like, because it's, you know, you got holes in your brain. It's just, that's where the blood flow doesn't have a lot of activity. So... And you go through this process and then you wind up getting all this information and, and, and how it really transpires into so many other things that are happening in your life that you didn't even correlate to, you know, your brain. But then you take a, sec- take a step back and you realize the brain is literally the person or the thing that is in control of your entire body. Everything that happens, no matter what, whether it's, you know, your, you know, how you feel, you know, it, it can dictate like, you know, if you're, 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 the way you feel like is and like being nauseous or having headaches or it can make you feel like in a way that makes you happy or sad. It dictates on your thought process on like, you know, man, I look fat as shit. Like people that have really bad, like, you know, body dysmorphia, you know, people like that, like these are all physical symptoms that are, that are linked to lack of blood flow in certain areas of the brain. You train the brain and you get the brain to have the better blood flow in certain areas, then all of a sudden training takes on a whole different light and a whole different meaning. And it actually helps out in a lot of different ways, such as being able to make, make it to where eventually my goal is to get off of SSRIs altogether because the SSRIs are what's kept me from losing the weight I want. So you take a look at like, you know, the way I, the way I work out in the gym is like, I don't fuck around. It's just one thing. It's like when I get in the gym, I want to, if I'm not sweating and if I'm not kicking my ass, then I don't feel like I've done much. And so, and that's just always how I've been. And so, you know, my, my workouts are super intense. I'm, I'm always sweating. I'm always pushing myself past the point that I probably shouldn't, but it's, it's that kind of that kind of energy that I want because in my mind I'm also thinking to myself like I want to get this fucking fat off I want to be I want to be in a better shape I want to be in the shape that I visualize myself in but no matter how hard I work and no matter how hard I diet the loss of losing weight is always going to be twice as hard as it's going to be for somebody who's not on SSRIs what is it about the SSRIs that uh, make it harder to lose weight it's uh, so it's 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 the link between your brain and and your body. So again, that high serotonin level that you get, or that high cortisol level uh, that you can get through stress, which is why people say like, "Are you really stressed out?" And because of people that are having a hard time losing weight, are you really stressed out? And they're like, "Yeah, well, that's because your cortisol levels are super high. If you have really high cortisol levels, it's going to be difficult for you to lose weight. That's that fight or fight response to where your body wants to hold on to it, doesn't want to let go of it." But uh, with SSRIs, when you're increasing things like your serotonin and you don't have as much like dopamine, which is that feel good, kind of like excited feeling, motivated feeling, um, it all correlates to being able to have your brain and your body be in a, in a synced position to where it tells you it's okay to lose this weight. It's okay to drop this, this fat. We don't need it. 
But when it doesn't have that connection, it's really difficult for the body to let go of it. It's kind of like a, like a, like a crazy ex-girlfriend. Like, you know, she, she loves you, but she hates you, and she doesn't want to let you go, but she does want to let you go. It's a really fucking confusing time. So it's the same thing that's going on with your body. It's really fucking confused. It doesn't, it doesn't know. So it's, the, the thing it doesn't want to do is let go of the source that it thinks that it's going to need to be able to survive. So that's kind of the best way to describe that, the reason why it's so difficult to lose weight um, when you're on antidepressants. And so that's why that's I... That's a really also, good analogy. Well, I, I thought about it for a long time. Yeah, but, that's, that's a great way. Like, is that the way you, you use it, like, to explain to your clients the crazy girlfriend? Well, and again, the crazy... Well, the thing is, it's like I just... Like I said, I, I just started doing this whole process with trying to become... Uh, going on a natural um, side of... Um, being with antidepressants um, and trying to help make my brain healthier. So I'm, I'm still kind of learning as I go also. So um, I just started now putting into my, my initial um, screening when I talk to clients is like I ask them if they're on medications. Like, you know, uh, you know being on a medication is, is a huge thing that trainers need to know about. They need to know that stuff because the thing is, it's like, one, we got to know what kind of medication you're on because if you have a heart problem, or you have, you know, high blood pressure and things like that. These are things that if trainers don't know, they can really wind up, you know, doing more harm than good for a client. But also at the same time, it helps us understand that a lot of medications, like you look at the, you know, the side effects of, I would probably say 90% of medications, and they'll say weight gain or weight loss is a side effect. So anytime you're putting a foreign chemical into your system, into your body as a medication or a pharmaceutical, it's going to create your, your, your body chemistry. It's going to create a different body chemistry, different brain chemistry, and, and make your body um, do things in a different way whenever it's not, as, it's not in a natural state. So it's not as easy as cut and dry as saying like, you know, hey, you need to eat this, this, and this. You need to come in and exercise for this amount of time and you'll lose weight. Because that's, that's not how it works. It's, it's, it's not as simple anymore. Especially nowadays, where everything you're, it's it's more mainstream to get a medication to get yourself feeling better or to make yourself healthier, rather than to kind of dive in deeper to what the real issue is and what can I do that might take longer, but a more sustainable way and a more natural way to be able to make it happen. Now, as a trainer, uh, as a trainer at Iron Asylum, what are some of the services that you provide? My services uh, just include right now. I'm just um, I'm somebody who uh, is interested in trying to just make people healthier. My goal is is for is to not make you you know look really good. You know there are a lot of trainers around town that do that right now that are really good at what they do, and they're really good at that. And I'll tell you right now, if you're somebody who's like you know your goal is to get a six pack. I'm not the best guy for that. There's no way that I'm going to be able to help you out with that. I can get you started on give, giving you an idea on where to go. But like when it comes down to like if you want shredded a shredded look, that's that's not where I that's not where I go. My services consist of the functional side of it to where it's like I know how the anatomy works pretty well. I know how, you know, your joints should be lined up. I know how your muscles should be moving the way that they should, how we should load the muscle. Um how you know kind of like the the myths and the the reality of you know the difference between functional and bodybuilding because there are some things that have been misconstrued through the years of bodybuilding that people kind of think you know they listen to a guy who's 
roided out and got you know is is really good at lifting and and looks shredded and you know all he tells him it's like oh I do this exercise this many times a day and this is how I look, but reality what it is is that this person is doing a little extra more than what we than what we know. So doing this exercise isn't exactly the way to get bigger biceps or to get uh, a, a stronger back. Um, we can do things, you know, the same way uh, and just make it safer. So like doing a bicep curl. Bicep, it, the whole point of a bicep is elbow flexion. So it's bringing the arm up and down. I can't target certain muscle bellies. You know, as much as, uh, as, much as people like to think they can, like growing a peak or growing the inside of a bicep, like by grabbing the bar closer and curling this way, is just putting internal pressure onto your, your elbow joint, which is creating this sensation that's shooting up the inside of your arm. So people think that they're stressing that muscle more, but really what it is, it's just a, a um, load line that's not <coughs> properly loaded in the joint the way it should be. So you're just doing more damage. Right. Essentially what you're doing, it's like, and you might not, it might not in the sense be damaging right then and there, but I, I use the analogy of like a paperclip. So you can take a paperclip and you bend it once, it's fine. Bend it twice, okay. And then you do that a couple of times, and then all of a sudden, like maybe 10, 15 times later, boom, the paperclip snaps. It's kind of the same way that the joints work or, the, or, or muscles and ligaments. So it's like you might be able to do this, like, you know, an overhead um, tricep extension like this, an overhead press like that, like that's an external rotation of the shoulder girdle and then you're applying load in an area that it's not meant that shoulder's not meant to withhold that kind of load so when you do this for repetitions and you do it day in and day out eventually you know you see guys walking around the gym and they're grabbing their shoulder and doing this kind of stuff and it's like it's really tight and really sore it's, they're creating an impingement inside that, that, that rotator cuff or inside that ball socket joint so it's we want to hit the tricep well just doing a straight up tricep pull down. That's good. That's, that's what the job is of the tricep. We don't have to reinvent the wheel to make it different. I love doing different exercises for your triceps that are, you know, functional, like single arm tricep extensions, you know, reverse grip, all that stuff is really good and it's really functional and it's, and it's a great way to isolate and, and to make your, your lifting more intense. But um, certain exercises, yeah, I, it's just, it's not functional and we can hit that muscle in another way and make it just as beneficial and lower the risk. All right. So here's a, a question. Um, hypothetically, if a guy were in prison looking at a long, long stretch mm -hmm. and, and he didn't want to make it appear as though he killed himself, were there any exercises that he could do to strengthen up the neck so that if, say, someone's hands were wrapped around them, <laughs> they could they could maybe defend it a little bit longer uh, with the uh, with a, the the crooked police murder cellmate? I'd say shoulder shrugs, man. Shoulder shrugs. Shoulder shrugs. Shoulder shrugs. Do a lot of shoulder shrugs. Shoulder, a lot of shoulder shrugs. Incredibly specific hypothetical yeah. situation you just came yeah. up with there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, also, I feel like, you know, like if, if, if we're talking about prison, I think, you know, you're going to want to get into blowies too. Because this motion right here is going to really work on neck flexors. So. And how to hide things in your prison wallet. That's the best place. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Prison wallet's your butthole. <laughs> ah. That glorious hole in the bottom, <laughs> that brown eye. 
Yeah. I like psyllium husk while we're, while we're speaking of assholes. I'm a big fan of, uh, of psyllium husk. Um, Helps those, you poop. It does. Absolutely clears your guts out like nobody's business. Like if you're like, I got to lose five pounds between today and tomorrow, get yourself some psyllium husk and then get yourself some more psyllium husk and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Sounds a hell of a lot better than a lot of the other shit that I've heard. Like coffee enemas? Mm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, is it hot coffee? No. No. Oh. You just it's get, just a coffee enema. You just a cold just, coffee, you stick a tube up your butt and you just hold it back here like this and let it Does it do anything drain. like caffeinate? Like, does it get you, because I know people take shots of vodka up their, up their, their keister. Mm. Um, I myself have um, taken a, a weed suppository. Uh, yeah, no worry, we're good. Um, I took a weed suppository like a year and a half, two years ago. Hey, I tell you, one of the best cannabis experiences of my life. Mm. Well, I was gonna say there was I, like, I know there was a there was quite a few uh, it was quite a few years ago. I know that there was a group of friends of mine that were putting soaked tampons like yeah. of like you know vodka and shit up their ass because it would make them drunk like that. Like, just all of a sudden fucking drunk as shit. And Did you do this, Brandon? No, no. You didn't? Would you? I've taken oh, well. a finger of four, but that's as much as I've <laughs> Finger of four? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Middle school. Nah. <laughs> just part of being Matt Brown's friend. You don't get in that club <laughs> easy. <laughs> I mean, you want to be friends with the with Matt Brown, you got to do <laughs> you some gotta, things. you got to be willing to take some shit up the butt. Yeah. Apparent, allegedly. It's a good time for a shout out from our uh, from our sponsor, <laughs> AK Forty Nine. Matt Brown just won the award for like something along the lines of Youth Leadership of the Year award. So yeah, yeah. Um, if they only knew, buddy. And, and the most, we know, we most know. fingers up the Keister award. I don't know. Big hands too. That man has big hands. He's a, he's a large man. <laughs> he, is. he is a he is a large man. I can imagine that if he's putting four, it's like the fist of like a normal yeah. guy. It's like you get you get. You get good with him, and then you move on to Steel's hands. That's that's the next step. I was gonna say you're goal? you're 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 going from like you know smoother to more calloused, and yeah. I think that's that's gonna play a big role. Yeah, yeah. yeah Steel again, another very large man, not getting yeah. any smaller. Very glad that man did not choose being a proctologist for a for a job <laughs> choice because. God damn! What if that was his second dream? Like, yeah. what if what if you just fucked that up for him? He's like, you know, they told me that me having such big hands would be uh, a handicap to being a proctologist, but no, I'm gonna do it because Brandon has shown me that I can do anything. And yeah. then you just shit on that dream. You took his dream and you shit on it. The only thing that man ever wanted to do was become a proctologist. It's like my just buddy Joe it. Mercy. He's he's a dentist and he's got. Big ass hands like that too. Got his big sausage fingers. He puts those meat beaters in your mouth, and it's like, good lord, man! You got the you got the you got the hands of a Shrek. How how why? And he just over the top. You. He's a good dentist. Not taking anything from him. He works. He works. But this man does not have nimble fingers. He has got some big ass hands. How do you get in there and work with something so small? How much time like do you spend thinking of like things to call masturbating or or the tools of the the practice? I fucking sat on a gun line in Afghanistan for a year of my life. That's all it was, was ten guys coming up with different ways to talk about our dicks and jerking off. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Don't 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 judge. Don't judge. Don't judge. Don't judge. That's silly. I think people have this stupid belief that soldiers sit over there and just sit at parade rest the whole time between doing heroic shit. Not the case. Not the case. 
I knew a, a bunch guy. of disgusting savages that just come up with horrible shit to say about each other's moms. Hard work goes into that. It's not just like it's no. you. No, there's there's a skill level to like shit talking and oh. and then the art, Portageon art, by the way, in a deployed location. I had a guy. I have pictures of it. I'm going to make a coffee book or a, a coffee table book one day. Is my goal. You should just do it. This if listen. If there's a time to do anything that you want. A, we're all the, the fucking... Um, I always the wanted to publish a book. That's going to be my published yeah, book right there. The Deschutes sure. brown, brown Bottle Porter uh, virus is going to kill us all, so you might as well publish your book. It's much easier to do now. Plus, fuck it, the internet exists. You could do it online. You could just do an e-book. You could do yeah. an e-coffee table book uh, and just say... And you do it that way because you don't want it passed around from all of these people with dirty, nasty fingers. Mm -hmm. They just You, you just mm -hmm. give it out via the cloud. That way, when everyone's in their quarantine, they can read your book. I like it. Making it happen. I'm motivated. Like how you got Jocko, or how, how Rogan got Jocko... Uh, to start his own podcast. Yeah, you gotta do your book, man. Now you got me ready yeah. for the book. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. That was yeah. the worst Joe Rogan impression. That was a impression horrible. Ever. That was a Joe Rogan impression? I don't know what that was. That was because <laughs> I'm sure as fuck was a Josh. Trying to, yeah. Was, yeah, that's who I, I was like. I've never, heard of, I've never heard of this other guy, but I know Joe Rogan. Yeah, Jocko, Jocko, I do a terrible Jocko. I do a terrible Joe Rogan, but fucking, um, yeah, bless, their, bless both their hearts. You, you should do it. I mean, listen, mm -hmm. you're going to die anyway. It's going to happen. Yeah. Even if I only make the one that I that I buy myself. Doesn't matter. It's going to happen. Dude, I've sold one of the Smiling Unabomber shirts. One. Really? Yeah. Yeah, the rest they gave away. <laughs> yeah. People I, wear them. I, it makes them happy. I wear mine. It makes me happy. Yeah. By the way, if you if I gave you one of those, just cut the sleeve. It's meant to be a cheap, shitty gym shirt. Like, that's all it is. It's a $15 t-shirt that I probably gave you. Just, just cut the sleeves off. It's a gym shirt. However, the new ones, the robots are coming... The robots are coming. The shirt is coming very soon. Mm -hmm. Very excited about that. Sweet. Yeah. This one I got a double XL for you. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'll be I so snug it. on the nipples. It, it's a I shame. Like that's, that's what you would want, though, especially for you. I got, it's, if I could get the belly to go away, and that's why you're talking about the SSRIs. I've been on Cymbalta now. It is just, I mean, I've cleaned up my diet. I've brought cardio into my world, which was fucking horrible, but I'm doing it. I'm, I'm meeting my four days a week that I was instructed to do. Two days of just steady walking on an incline at as fast as I can possibly walk without having to try to jog. So I keep it at like a three and a half to a four on the on the speed at a seven incline. I do that for 20 minutes twice a day. And then I do five minutes of just warm up on the assault bike, followed by 10 minutes of 20 seconds on, 40 seconds off, just 20 seconds going wide out to then 40 seconds of just coasting. I do that for 10 iterations for a total of 10 minutes, and then I do a five-minute cool down, so 20 minutes there. And my stomach will not go down an inch. I am still at 41 inches, which is where I started at. Well, I started at 43. I lost probably water weight right there off the bat, like everybody always does. You right. dump 10 pounds. I went from, I was sitting at two, I was sitting at 242. I then dropped, or 248, I dropped down to 238, and then I shot up to 252, and I've just been hanging between 252 and 255. I'm liking where all the muscles are going, arms are growing, chest is growing, shoulders are growing, legs are growing. I cannot get rid of the weight around my gut. 
Well, the thing the thing is too is like what and my diet's been clean too. I've been sticking to my diet. Right. So no cheating, no soda, no sugar. That and that's so I'm working for a month now. I'm working with this lady um, who's uh, based out of Bellevue, Washington. She works hand in hand with the Amen Clinic, and so her specialty is uh, she's a metabolism specialist. Mm-hmm. So she works highly with um, the Amen Clinic because of specifically helping people lose weight off of when they're on SSRIs or antidepressants. So the big thing that you know she talks about is just the the amount of knowledge this woman has is astronomical and but she was she was talking to me about all this stuff and and um basically the thing that i remember the most at this point talking with you just like there is like she said so for a pound a month is about uh, is about average for somebody who is on an ssri um which is sloth pace yep i mean it's you look at it as like you know it's a quarter of what a normal person right would lose because a, a, pound a pound a week, a week is yeah, pretty healthy yeah. in, in the normal world yeah so but for for a guy to lose weight um it's about a pound a month to half a pound a month and then for a female she said it's virtually impossible wow she said she says she doesn't know the wife's the, battling it also she's yeah. also on cymbalta yeah and she didn't know if it was the hysterectomy meds that she is having to take she just got her hysterectomy here a couple months or four months ago but she is put on about 20 pounds probably not anything to do with anything else besides the ssri because yeah she said in this nutritionist who's you know she started off her career working with bodybuilders and so when i told her about the the issues that i have with you know um body dysmorphia and things like that um she said like you know bodybuilders are notorious for that mental disorder i mean it is it is probably the biggest thing in bodybuilding the top bodybuilders the reason why they're so good is because they have the disorder and they're always striving to do more and to get more um but with that disorder also comes you know the issue that you know that uh comes with when you're ever satisfied but with you and like myself and you know jelani it's the same kind of concept it's like we want to lose weight just to drop a few pounds. Nobody's looking to get, you know, shredded and look like we're about to get on stage. We just want to flatten yeah. out the stomach. We just want to look a little better. Like that kind of stuff, like for females when they're on SSRIs, like impossible. Wow. So, yeah, I, I the big things, the big supplements that I was told to get onto um, through the Amen Clinic was magnesium. Magnesium was a big one. So I'm up towards to around about 700 milligrams of magnesium a day. And then the other one was uh, L-thionine. L-thionine is a, uh, is a natural supplement that's found in like uh, chamomile tea. Mm-hmm. So it's a calming agent. It helps, you know, bring, you know, this calming sensation into the brain to keep it less active and to keep it from repetitive thoughts or, you know, stress overload. Um, and these are to take while you're on the mm-hmm. SSRI, or this is a, kind of a replacement for the SSRI. So eventually, it'd like to be a replacement, but right now it's 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 corresponding with it. So, and 5-HTP was another big one. So, and I know, like you know, do you guys listen to Joe Rogan? He, he preaches about 5-HTP, always. So I've taken 5-HTP in the past. Um, could you probably do a better job of explaining what 5-HTP is? So, I mean, I don't really know the, ex- the, the big background about 5-HTP, but 5-HTP is, is really good in the sense of keeping, like, people who have 
like for myself was really bad at like anger management. I had really bad like anger issues, um, really high stress levels, overwhelmed all the time. Um, and somebody who's always on edge, five HTP knocks that down. So it, it, it's another kind of calming stress reliever kind of a pill. And it really does work um, relatively quickly. So it's like, it can be used as a natural, almost like a natural Xanax, not as strong or as powerful like GABA. I gave you some GABA. Mm -hmm. GABA is the same kind of concept. Um, but 5-HTP kind of does the same thing where it's, it, it, it gives you that calming agency to where it's like whenever you're feeling super stressed out or you're feeling super like agitated and angry, take a couple of 5-HTPs and all of a sudden you're, you're normalized here. You're, you're kind of dropping back down into this normal level. So, like I said, I don't, I don't know specifically a whole lot about the 5-HTP. I just know that 5-HTP is a really big one that, especially for people in Alaska, and that's why it really intrigued me because Alaskans more than I bet anybody else in the nation have more people that are on antidepressants than anywhere in any other state. And it's because of the fact that we lack daylight, especially in the wintertime. Everybody gets depressed. And it's not because of the fact that it's just like, oh, it's always so dark out and it's just like, I'm so sad. Like, no, there's, there's, there's scientific evidence behind it that sunlight provides serotonin. It provides dopamine. So when you lack that and you deplete your brain of that, now all of a sudden, especially for people who are like us, like that live in it for like, you know, eight months out of the year, we lack that a lot, which makes it a little bit more difficult to also lose weight and to get in better shape. So Alaskans, I think, are uh, at a little more of a, of, of a uphill battle when it comes down to trying to gain fitness levels and trying to gain to a different level in a different area, especially for people that, you know, are on SSRIs. So 5-HTP is, is awesome. I, I, I loved I'm not on it anymore because I overdid it. That's the other thing is that you can... You could put yourself into such a high level of serotonin that it actually does the opposite effect. So then all of a sudden now you're super agitated, super anxious, and super angry. And for me, I was I was at such a high level that it was my blood work, um, or actually it was a, it was a urine test. It, it was um, so the normal range for serotonin should be 40 to 90 at the highest. Mine was 4,500. I was fucking off the chart. And Serotonin, if it's if it's too high, can create what's called serotonin syndrome, and you wind up like you know it can it can be fatal to a point, and but it can create a whole bunch of shit to where it can even cause seizures and a whole bunch of shit like that. So it's like you know it's one of those things that you got you got to be careful with it as well. So, but um, I encourage anybody and everybody you can go to a healthcare provider and just say you want to get your neurotransmitters tested, and it'll show you exactly where you're at. It'll show you your dopamine, your serotonin levels, um, all that shit. It'll show you everything and what you need to improve on. And every, and there's always natural ways to improve those um, those levels without having to be on medications. All right. So um, we've been going at this for about an hour, man. Do you have any? If I got one more question. Shoot. So my main thing of why I wanted Luke. To come on here was because we're we're trying the gym has definitely got a we we've been kind of pigeonholed into we are only a bunch of big buff people in there and we're only a bunch of 
pretty people and we've got kind of this that's if you if you're wanting to come and go to a hardcore lifting place this is a place to go to it's, it's true we do have some very pretty people in there we have some very big strong people in there but we've never ever been as many times i've said that on here we we're not against anybody of any body type or any style coming in and doing it we have the capability for people to do crossfit we have the capability for people to do powerlifting bodybuilding if people just want to come in there and do cardio i have a gentleman that quit anytime fitness because he his question as soon as i answered the phone was how long can i be on your stair mill for and i said fuck i don't know until the power goes out i guess and he's like you're not going to kick me off after after 20 minutes i said dude if you go 24 hours i'll give you a free fucking month I don't give a shit how long you're on the stair mill for. He's like, okay, because I got kicked off the stair mill after 20 minutes and was told that I had to get off and see if anybody else needed it, and then I could re resume after I took a break for a while. And I was like, nope, not a problem here. And that's what this gentleman does. He's beat cancer. He's in there. He's just, he likes to do his stair mill. The older fella? Older guy, yeah. Yeah, so I've He's seen that fucking guy. fucking savage on He's a monster. stair mill. Whole, he's scary. Yeah, yeah. Like, Super good dude. Love it, the guy to death. I'm not yeah. gonna put his name out on here because as well I you don't shouldn't. know if he wants me to, but he is the man doesn't quit and what he's had to go through over the last couple of years battling cancer and to still have the drive and determination, that shit inspires the fuck out of me, even if he's not over there lifting heavy ass weight. That's that's awesome. So we, we have every kind of person in there. But people that join and especially when they're looking for a trainer, they generally think, Oh, that's not the gym for me if their direction is not strictly trying to get ready for a a bodybuilding show because that's what we had as far as trainers up before that kimmy and tyler as our trainers both of them specialize in getting ready for bodybuilding even though they don't necessarily have the intention of training everybody to be a bodybuilder but they're both bodybuilders so people generally are going to join a gym and get a trainer who they can relate to and when you go as a guy and the girl has bigger biceps than you do and can squat more than you do, you're kind of going to be like, oh, shit, that's not what I want to go be part of. So I want us to kind of, we're never going to change the way we do things at the gym. There's always going to be cussing. We're always going to make the fucked up jokes that we make, be what we are and listen to the music that we listen to. The style of the place is never going to change. But I do want more people to feel like they could be included in the place and would be welcome there. So... With Luke, we kind of have a different angle now that we can work where it's not a person who is just going to be getting you ready for a bodybuilding show or is going to make you feel like you have to get a six pack or get shredded or get 20 inch arms or be able to squat a thousand pounds. This is a different angle that we have. So my main thing is I wanted you to be able to say like, who are you looking for? Like what is, what is the kind of client that you're looking for? My, my clientele, I would say, is, a, is what we consider kind of in, in the functional strength conditioning world, we, we, we talk about the 80%, the 80% of the population. So 80% of the population is usually the people that say, when you talk to them, I'm just looking to get healthy, I just want to, you know, I want to lower my cholesterol, I want to get better blood pressure, um, I want to be able to lose a little bit of weight and have pain-free movement. Those are the clients that are like, man, I, you're right up my alley. That's, that's what I do. That's, that's my specialty is being able to give people programs that are capable of them, one, not feeling overwhelmed, and two, being able to get the result of um, 
getting into a healthier lifestyle and being able to give them something that um, they can do on a consistent basis. So it's not as demanding. Um, I know that with when you're trying to, you know, especially preparing for a show, I don't know how in the world all these bodybuilders do it, the amount of dedication that that takes and the amount of work ethic that you have to have in order to get that physique is you got to be a real special kind of person. So, I mean, kudos to them. But I mean, also at the same time, it's like for me, it's, I know the struggle of that and I know that it doesn't work with everybody. So if, you know, you're looking for something that's a little bit less overwhelming and a little uh, less strenuous, that's kind of my forte. So injuries is also something that I've, you know, I worked with uh, Mike Kube over at Kube Chiropractic. Um, he was the one that introduced me to Mike Boyle. And um, you really kind of learn more about, you know, anatomical purposes of, of lifting. Um, you know, like for me, in, in, in my line of work, I don't do any back squatting, mainly because of spinal loading. So spinal loading is one of those things that it's like, you know, again, it, it comes down to what are your goals and what are you trying to achieve? You know, powerlifting, obviously, if you want, if you want to be a powerlifter, you're going to have to put a bar on your back. You know, bodybuilding, same kind of concept. I think you can get the same kind of out, uh, the same kind of result without it. But um, I do know that back squatting holds um, a lot of things uh, that um, you can't get with just doing like a split squat or doing um, a lunge. Doing bodybuilding since September to current, my legs have actually grown bigger. My pants are tighter than the last three years of while I was when I was able to squat. You know, yeah. 600 easy at any time, 700 was the best I ever got, and my legs weren't as big with that as they are now. Yeah. I have I have nothing against squats. I have a lot against squats done wrong. Right. Same as deadlifts done wrong, bench press done wrong. You need to know they're, they're the three most basic exercises that everybody is going to right. want to do in the gym. I mean, you can't, you can't talk people out of wanting to do those exercises, right. no, but they're also the three most likely to fuck you up right. exercises in the gym and it's too easy even if you know what you're doing all it takes is one bad lift that you shift to the right a quarter inch and you blow a tendon and you're not walking for the next six months so right and so it's like in 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 my in my style is everything's risk to benefit ratios i look at an exercise i look at the risks what could happen and then i say what can i do to lower that risk but keep the same benefit so Split squatting is something that I do. Goblet squatting, where I hold the weight out in front. Um, I, I always tell people if you're strong, if you're strong on one leg, you can be strong on both. So if you train unilaterally, yeah. for athletes particularly, like again, this is all like really athlete based. Athletes aren't looking to you know to grow a whole lot of muscle. They're looking to grow strength and power and speed and, and agility. So we're not out there trying to you know grow legs and arms and chests. We're we're trying to do it for more of a functional purpose and so split squats and goblet squats are more are my wheelhouse and so um and you go look at like you know some of the best top level areas like you know you go look at um you know the nfl and, and strength conditioning coaches there you're never going to see a strength conditioning coach teaching uh squat cleans or overhead snatches because the risk just goes through the roof and what's the benefit of it it's to increase uh, speed and increase, you know, power. Yeah. And you can get that by just doing a standard hang clean. And same thing when it comes down to, you know, these these athletes are worth millions. Yeah. 
And the last thing that a trainer wants to do, because that's his job, if he fucks up somebody that's a million dollar athlete, and now all of a sudden they're out for the next eight weeks and they miss the next three games, well, that trainer's out of job. Yep. So that's kind of like, you know, and so you're, you're going more for like, you look at it, the difference between a guy like Tim Tebow and how he was built versus a guy like Tom Brady. Right. Tom Brady doesn't look great when he takes right. his shirt off. No. But he's arguably the best quarterback right. to ever play the game. Tim Tebow looked like a Greek god chiseled out of stone. Right. The dude couldn't complete a pass. Right. His balls were on the line. Yeah. The muscle, the physique actually hindered him, in my opinion, because yeah. his arms were heavier. He was, he didn't have the ability to throw the ball accurately. Right. Brady has, kind of what you're talked about, he has tuned his body into a well-oiled machine. Exactly. He only does exercises that are going to benefit him in the long run. Exactly. That he's not going to do any work for picture purposes. Right. He's doing everything. How is this exercise going to make me more proficient at what I do? Yep, exactly. It's exactly right. So it's, yeah, it's a, it, that's a great person to, to, to put in. It's like Tom Brady, yeah. Not a guy that you look at and say, man, he must work out. But you know? 42 years old, 20 years in the league, and, and still producing. Right, and I, 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 I can't remember the last game I ever saw him sit out. When he tore his ACL back in 2011. 10, 11, something like that. He got hit. Right. And tore his ACL and he was out for the season, but it was, and he recovered from that. Right. Which but, yeah. shouldn't, that's usually an injury that would take somebody completely, completely out. Right. And so when you think about that, and though it's like, in the sport that he's in, you know, football being the most, the, the most, you know, high impact sport you can yeah. think of, getting hit and getting hit low, getting yeah. hit by the knees and, the fact that he's able to continuously keep doing this at his age, it results strictly from the training that he's in. At 39, I went to an actual Broncos-Patriots game at Mile High Stadium. The, his lineman failed him miserably, and one of your guys came through the line full speed, a good 375-pound dude, picked him up. Brady was literally fucking parallel because I was down on the field with seats on the field and he was I mean levitated he was straight up I mean where his shoulders were is now where his body was parallel with the ground and this fucking monster pile drives him into the ground and I was like he's dead I think I think I know he's that he's gotta be dead it Elvis the, Doomerville it was, I think it was the first game that that Tebow had been on a five game win streak and that was the first time that we actually kind of figured out his plan and, and were able to beat him I yelled, what did I yell? I yelled, take that Bronco Jesus, is what I yelled. <laughs> because the, the, the fans of Denver were talking mass amount of shit the entire game to me because I was wearing my Wes Welker jersey. Of course. And uh, it was, and finally we figured out his thing and took him down like three different plays in a row. And it was the first time that Tebow hadn't been able to scramble his ass out of a situation. And we finally, finally... Belichick figured out his problem. But anyway, um, but anyway, Brady, after what I thought would kill a normal human, especially a 39-year-old man who had already been playing the game for a, a very long amount of time at that point, I mean, shit, not even taking into account all the punishment he took in college, high school, probably all the way back to 10 years old playing Pop Warner. Here he is, levitated, pile-driven into the ground, 
And he jumped up and ran right back to the huddle like it didn't happen. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say that that's due to child sacrifice. <laughs> He's in some ring with the Clintons. I don't, I don't doubt it. Listen, if you were... Drinking baby blood with the queen? I, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going I'm, I'm to say it. Adrenochrome. Uh, I'm... It, He's he's on that Tom Cruise man, like he's on that he's on he's got the best trainers. He's got the best dietitians. He's got the best chefs. No, he's got the best fucking wizard. All right, who is putting who's casting spells and their curses and shit. And and I'm willing to go so far uh, down this this rabbit hole of evil. Um, when him and Giselle get wrapped up in some, they've been draining the blood out of 19, 17 to nineteen year old models that, that yeah, she makes pulls into sense. her agency, uh, and make, he drinks he drinks model blood. No, no, it's uh, it's so much it's so much worse than that. It's <laughs> it's, it's so much worse. Um, no, so if we're if we're going to talk about Tom Brady being around for so long, what if what if Aaron Hernandez was the sacrifice. Mm. What if and and the, the Netflix documentary is there to muddy the waters? Like we've talked about on my podcast, um, a, a lot of these films are put out to muddy the waters, kind of confuse us about uh, things that may or may not have happened. Like that's why I, I think Forrest Gump was presented the way it was, with the, the deep fake technology being presented um, in in old Clint Eastwood movies, where uh, in Line of Fire, where they put him next to Kennedy, like allegedly in this film. Um, he was he was Kennedy's um, favorite Secret Service guy, mm-hmm. um, and so they put young um, young Clint Eastwood in those films, and they did the very same thing with Forrest Gump. And these things are made to confuse us about what actually happened. Now, am I saying that Aaron Hernandez was sacrificed to the Illuminati in order for Tom uh, Brady to win multiple? Uh, Super Bowls for billionaires like Tom, Kra- uh, like uh, Robert Kraft, and uh, and and guys like Bill Belichick. I see that look on your face, and I'm saying it's a distinct possible. No, definitely no. Makes no sense. Why would they? No. no why would? That would never happen. Why would? Bill Belichick the- is a good man. <laughs> <laughs> and fuck you if you think he's a cheater. Fuck you all for thinking he's a cheater. I'll tell you what. I, I will. I will give you this. I watched the. um, Robert um, Kraft tipped that lady $100. He did what? He tipped that lady $100. Which one? The one that that jerked him off. Oh. $100. That's a tip. That is a real tip. That is. Yeah, she had to touch his Damn good hand job, man. Wearing his Air Force Ones in suit, I bet. Probably. That old man. His wife dies of cancer. Two months later, he's got a new 30-year-old hanging on his arm. That's what happens when you're worth a couple bill. Yeah, no, true story. Have you ever seen, um, um, and it, the more you're worth, like, the, the, the more attractive, clearly, your spouse gets. Um, but it's weird when it, like, it happens with attractive people. So, like, uh, I met Jewel and her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And he used to be a, I don't know if he still is, but uh, was at then, he was a quarterback for the Colts. He would, like, looked like a dude that was, like, cut from bronze. Like, he was, if he was, like, if you can get into, like, uh, like human alien hybrids that are created uh, in order to I don't know be superior uh, warriors. That dude, that yeah. dude's one of them, right? Um, yeah, but she's worth. But that's what you get when you're you're worth forty million dollars. Like she's worth like forty million dollars. So if you're Robert, Jewel is worth forty million dollars. Something stupid. It's a stupid number. I looked it up. Yeah, it's a stupid number. Wow. 
Uh-huh. We, we'll look it up. We'll look it up on Celebrity Net Worth when we're done. But yeah, so you think about that. Um, she's got that like the if she owns her publishing, right? Mm-hmm. That stupid oh. fucking intuition song was also the song for a deodorant. Uh, she had a paid. deodorant song, yeah. That's when you get paid. Um, plus, she's you know like doing these these festivals and shit. She's I'm sure she's playing casinos. But yeah, her you know if you're worth forty million dollars and you're you're already attractive, you can get whatever you want. You can just pick whatever uh, fucking warrior gladiator clone you want. Plus, not to mention that chick's gonna be somebody who's gonna be able to survive like thirty kind million of dollars. Thirty million dollars. That's a lot of money. That's what she's worth. Not bad. Exactly. Not a not a bad run for growing up out there in the boondocks of. Uh, I was gonna say her family ended up away getting, from Homer. Yeah, her family yeah. ended up uh, getting a TV show. They, they did. did. I stayed. That's where Kirchner's. I met her. They stay. They have like a a B and B you can stay at. Um, and yeah, she she was there and she signed this dude's apple to Apple's card. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Meaning they were like, hey, it's Joe. Gotta get this Apple Apple's card. <laughs> this has significant meaning to me. Can you sign this? Yeah, but she was cool. She took a picture with me. She was. She didn't have to. Oh, she, no, yeah. I, yeah. I, I imagine that it's like, you know, that's one thing about Alaska that I love so much is that the, the people that live here, like, I don't really I don't really meet a whole lot of people who are a bunch of, bunch of you know, a bunch of assholes. Yeah. But, like. Until Zach Brown moved up here. True story. Whoa, huge Zach Brown fan. Huge Zach yeah. Brown. No, no, no. You like the first. You like the first oh, right. album. Listen, That's all I love them all. I love them all. You like Have the you, new stuff? You, the you owl hear sucks. Mr. Did you I, I, hear Mister Hyde? I would much rather shove shit up my asshole that's on fire while uh, my balls are, are getting fucking chopped up with a fucking chainsaw and my family has to watch. It's terrible. And then, and then, I want fucking strangers to shit down my throat and tell me how worthless I am before I listen to that fucking record. Yeah. Bill sends me good music all the time. He turned me on to Thank you. Vinnie Paws. He turned me on to... Uh, Stu Bangas. Stu Bangas. Who... Fangirl moment actually wrote me back on Instagram the other day. Yay! Woo! Nipples are getting hard. <laughs> Turn me on to Immortal Technique. I mean, he sends me this music all the time. Well, he sneaks in the new Zach Brown song on me because it's oh, always God. good music. And I'm like, and I, I honestly lost respect for my friend at that moment. I was <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, this is dog shit. And he's like, cool, that was a test. And, I, and so I was like, all right, fuck, I got faith in my friend again. But he's always sent me good music up to this point. And now he sends me this dog shit. And I, no, so that's, Zach Brown's that, falling off. That new, fucking... that new song Swayze. Is that what it was? I no. You ever heard? Oh, oh, this it was, okay. So, so we'll check that out, and then when we're done, when we wrap this up, we'll I'll play you the new Pearl Jam, which is fucking horrible. Oh, man, it's so bad. That's disappointing. It's he so bad. A, he hasn't made good music it's... since he stopped. Once he apologized for being a dick, it's like he hasn't been able to make a song since. I don't know what the fuck Eddie better where where he lost his touch at. Um, you know, like I I feel like they probably like they sold their souls sometime around album number two, album number three going into that process. And I feel like listening to this song is like they're just remortgaging their souls. They're like, I've got I've got my run now. I got to make my Maroon Five record. I think it's, it's drugs and alcohol. I wish it was. The music I, would be better. That's what I'm saying. I think that I think there's like it's like kind of like when I play pool. Two drinks in-ish is where I become pretty good at pool. Before the two drinks, I'm shit. After two drinks, I'm shit. But there's this sweet spot where there's just enough liquid courage, enough enough alcohol coursing through me that I'm a pretty good pool player. But you're good. I'm good for that little bit. 
But then you get these guys like Kurt Cobain. You get you get the uh, oh fuck, what was the um, Scott Weiland from Stone Temple Pilots. You had the guy from um, from from Allison Chains. All those guys were just incredible for a moment, but then the drugs and alcohol, the depression ends up overflowing into the point where they lose that touch. They can't come up. And so if they go clean, like Scott Weiland, he'd try to go clean for a while, and his music would turn to shit. He'd go back on a bender. Pretty good music would come out, but eventually he end up overdosing and dying. We all know what happened with Kurt Cobain, and then same thing happened with... Uh, Not Keith Richards. Yeah. Not Keith. Here's the well, thing about Keith Richards. He's always had good heroin and knows what his limits are. Yeah. Um, it's really on the lead singer, though. It's on the lead singer, I think. The lead singer is going to be the guy coming up with the lyrics, coming up with the He's going to be the face. Yeah. He's, and he's going to be the one that actually makes... He's the one that kind of... It seems like they're usually the, the writers of the song and, and come up with the general idea of what the song is going to be, and then the other guys kind of fill in their part. But not Alice in Chains. Yeah, because they had Lane Staley, but they haven't been able to put shit together. Sublime hasn't been able to put shit together. Okay, really. so they did okay with Rome, but they haven't been able to do a lot good with. Well, with the last Alice in Chains, I thought was, was all right. I couldn't feel it; just wasn't it. Um, who the fuck is the lead singer? The guy that died from Alice in Chains? Uh, Lane Staley. No. Lane Staley was Alice in Chains. Jerry Cantrell's okay, the you're right, guitarist, right. Well, I was songwriter. Right. For whatever reason, I was thinking yeah. that Cantrell um, was the guy. And so Cantrell, yeah, but Cantrell it was. I don't know, man. Lane Staley had, the, I think, the greatest voice yeah. in heavy metal. and He had pain. That was the thing about him. He, You know, like, Down in a Hole, that song got me through some crazy shit. Rooster would just always come on the radio whenever a fucking chick busted my heart to shit. That was the song. For whatever reason, it was creepy. But I would get in the car, and that would be the song on the fucking radio. It was Rooster. And, you know, they come That's and take the Rooster. That's a heartbreak song? Fuck, it just... I, it was... Some preordained heartbreak song. I never chose for it to be my heartbreak song, but it's not like I went and put in the CD and fucking oh, I gotta find Rooster to get through this moment. <laughs> it was, it was just you like you know he ain't gonna die. And the song wasn't even about heartbreak. Not the song at all. was about his dad's fucking tour to Vietnam and being all fucked up with PTSD and fucking drugs and alcohol. Not when he got all back. a sad romance song. Yeah, but it it was always like that whole. He ain't gonna die. And it like brought me back. I'm like, Fuck yeah, I'm a goddamn man. I'm gonna go out there and slay ass and take names. I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to get back on the horse. And so that that song was always there. Yeah, yeah. gangstar guru. Uh, you know, I've been through a lot of shit before, so I ought to be able to withstand some more. Yeah, gangstar yeah. does it for me. Then put on the militia and I just break shit. Yeah, yeah. You got to do what you got to do. They were going. I was a big. I was a we big are fan of Zach. You guys ever heard? You guys ever listen to Zach Wild? Um, yeah, you just play for Ozzy, yeah, uh, Black he, Motorcycle Club, or Black yeah, Label Society. Black Label Society. Yeah. I mean, like, he, he has nothing really, you know, amazing about his voice, but that guy's, like, the same thing. He's got pain in his voice when he sings. Yeah. It's just, man, it's addicting. Vinny Paz, not necessarily the best lyricist, uh, but he's, there's, his voice makes it what it is. Uh, yeah. His voice makes it something special. And his voice, like, if you go back to um, some of his features, uh, Sabak Red's album with Q Unique, like, going back 15, 20 years, like, it's always been there. Those early Jedi Mind Tricks records, mm -hmm. that's what makes them so special. I mean, like, Stoop, uh, The Enemy of Mankind, was a great producer, going back to Vinny Paz. Uh, he made beats that were perfect for what that young man's voice was before he, he found his voice, before, like, he figured out what it was he wanted to say. Uh, he figured out how he was going to say it and the message he was going to get across. Yeah. Vinny Paz. 
always improving. Yeah. Bless his heart. It's Jeez. all about suck less tomorrow. Yeah. See. Be more I, like I, Vinny Pass. I've I've not lived anything close to what his life is like, but you can feel the passion in there. That's what I that's what I want out of a, a singer. Yeah. Songwriter. I don't yeah. Can't get that out of out of Zach Brown. And now that he's trying to star up his shit down there in Homer, it's like <laughs> done with you, dude. Done with you. Yeah. You're not special. You're not entitled. I love you, Zach. Let him have if a. If you're fucking, listening to this, I love let you. him have a fucking bike path, Zach. So, <laughs> so let me let me share this one with you. Zach Brown's lawyer was the guy who actively campaigned um, against cannabis um, in uh, tw- I believe it was 2016 when we had to, the the vote in the borough to shut down cannabis. That's Zach Brown's lawyer. Zach Brown's lawyer was the anti weed guy. The guy. Now, Zach Brown sings songs about smoking a little bit of the devil's yeah. lettuce. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's the lawyer that he got. That makes me realize that it's all about being a corporate suit. I could see, yeah. I mean, like, that's, uh, it's or disappointing, but I mean, also listening the same time to his neighbors. I don't know. There's a whole lot that goes into the Zach Brown story, but a lot of it has to do with his neighbors. Have you heard Luke sing? No. Luke has the goddamn voice of an angel. I'm not even bullshitting right now. Uh, I. I don't just sing on the spot. It's really weird. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm on iTunes. Okay. He has yeah. a beautiful voice. Uh, if we were going to find you on iTunes, where would you find you? Luke Bomber. Luke Bomber. Luke Bomber. I only got one song on there right now. The guy I'm working with, um, he uh, he's taking a break for a little bit, but I'm planning on getting back in with him um, in probably the beginning of this summer. And, uh, yeah, I only got one song on there right now. It's just a cover. It was, um, it was a song tributed to my dad. It was a Go Rest High on the Mountain by Vince Gill. Huge country fan, love same thing, same concept. Anything that has music that's meaningful and that like really has you know some power to it, I love it. Any relation to Dan Balmer of the Kenai River Wolfpack? No. Okay. No, we're the only. We're the we're, like as far as I know, we're the only. Technically, our name is pronounced Balmer. It's B A U M E R, and like. Oh, the Tremors. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's. Yeah, that uh, that it's you're the tree people. Right. Yeah, that's we're we're like that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Thomas Tree in German. Oh. He's the tree people. He like an Ewok. I speak fucking English, Bill. It's America. That's because we won. (laughs) Both times. Alright, man. Uh, I need to go eat some steak. It seems like you do. It's about that time for you yep. to count. All right, uh, Luke, thank you so much for your time. If folks want Thanks. to reach you, they want to set up a schedule, an appointment to train with you, how would they do that? Uh, they can call me, uh, 398-7667, or they can always get a hold of Brandon, and Brandon can reach out to me too. All right, if you're interested in the Iron Asylum, be sure to check out the uh, the Instagram page, which is what, Brandon? It's like Iron yeah. Asylum AK. Iron Asylum Jim AK? The um, Iron Asylum Jim AK, I believe, is the website. If I'm not mistaken, the Iron Asylum Jim Iron Asylum Jim AK. No the. No the. The is in the website. But it's not at the. The Iron Asylum is not at the on Instagram. You got a Facebook too. He yeah, does. It's on there. Yeah. Alright, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Ladies, gentlemen, others, thank you so much for your time. Have a great day. As per 3AAC 306.360 Alaska Marijuana Control Board Cannabis Use Warning.
A. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. B. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. C. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. D. For use by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. And E. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Red Run Cannabis Company, License 3A10056. Red Run Cannabis Cultivators, License 4A10052. Red Run Cannabis Cultivators, License 5A19372. 5455 Kenai Spur Highway, 12156 Kenai Spur Highway, Kenai, Alaska 99611.